So tonight we continue our study of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and in chapter 4, John is taken up into the very throne room of God, and what he sees there is overwhelming. Um, So you can follow along with your handout as we read Revelation 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you uh, what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns in their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day in and day night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and they were created. This is the word of the Lord. We want RUF to be a place that is um, a safe place for you to sort of process your life and your hurts and be vulnerable and like experience some healing in Jesus. So I'm going to like sort of put that to the test and I'm going to get vulnerable with you guys for a second with a bit of personal history that is going to be, I assure you, more awkward for you than it is for me. Um, but this is the trust tree. I'm going to trust that we're in the nest here and it's, we're safe. Um, so I don't know what you guys think when you think about if, if you want to like propose marriage to somebody one day. Um, I went one for two in marriage proposals. Um, I completed 50% of the marriage proposals that I initiated. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did propose to a young woman, um, and she said no. Uh, and the end of the story is not, but she's my wife, and we're, ha- you know, like, it's a, literally a different person. Uh, and she was, she was great, it just didn't work out, and... Um, so when and we we dated for a long time, it was like I thought it was for sure going to happen. It didn't. Anyway, I'm thankful now. Um, but uh, so when I, I tell that story a lot, because it's kind of like you feel like your life is going to be over, or something like that happens, and like I can just assure you that it'll be fine. Um, but when I tell that story, people ask me some version of this question that's something like. How can you go from like your heart is so bent towards a certain person that you're like, I'm signing up for like rest of my life with you 
to like your heart being completely bent to another person where you actually spend the rest of your life with a different person. Does that make sense? Like you're ready to go all in uh, and, and like do marriage with somebody. Like how do you get to a place that is completely different than that? Okay. And there is a very simple answer to that question. Um, it's a, it's a, it's well, a simple and complex answer. It's a two word answer. And the answer to that is Sarah Jane. Um, I'm not trying to be cheesy. Um, the reality is the way that you get from being all in on somebody to all in on somebody else, in my case, is actually meeting and knowing Sarah Jane. Like, she, everything completely changed a thousand percent. Um, that, like, literally, I tell my wife, this, there's this Randy Travis song, it's like an old country song, and uh, who's from North Carolina, by the way, so you should care. Um, <laughs> He's the one that he was like, didn't he get arrested? He was like driving 100 and he was naked in the car. Um, probably. Um, but he's got a great song. Anyway, there's a line in the song that says, I've already forgotten every woman but you. And it really is very, very true. Um, the book of Revelation that we're studying together is, while we're at it, um, is, uh, is addressed to uh, churches that are struggling Churches that are like in danger, like some of them that are like are being persecuted, like people losing their jobs, losing their lives, losing their families. Some churches that are so torn apart from the inside by like personal strife um, and like heresy, like people teaching false things about Jesus, that they're falling to pieces. And this letter is written to them saying like, hey, hang in there, because there's really no motivation for them to hang in there with Jesus. Like it's sort of like John's going something about Jesus is worth dying for. Um, and this, the same is true, I would say, for you guys, um, where tonight we go like, what about Jesus could be so compelling to make you want to stay a Christian through college if, in fact, you are a Christian? Um, like to step away from your comfort and the thing that comes natural to you and actually move proactively towards suffering. Like, what's compelling enough about Jesus to make you care that much? To be vulnerable with someone you don't know. And, like, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, and, like, the assumption is that tons of people in the room are all over the place on the spectrum of religious, non-religious, whatever. um, What about Jesus could make you care enough to lose the respect of your friends by investigating Jesus? Or um, what could really, really, it comes down to this. What is there about Jesus that could bend our hearts away from the things that make us comfortable and happy toward a place of suffering and, and, and loss. And to get at that question, John, the Apostle John, writes and he records this vision for us. And he's basically asking us tonight, does this vision move the needle for you at all? Like, could it make you care enough to, for your heart to be bent toward God? And this is a vision of God who is worthy, who is a trinity, and he's full of grace. And that's going to be a sort of our um, outline, if you're an outline person that cares about an outline. This is a vision of God who is worthy, who is a trinity, and who is full of grace. And I will unpack for us why I think this is enough to make us care. Because, let's be honest, um, even if you're in the room and you're a Christian, I can almost guarantee that something in you right now is going, I'm not super interested in this. This is supposed to be the thing that like, I would like go to the map for and I'm not super interested. Um, can John, can, can God fix us? Can he come into that? So the first thing is it's a vision. Look on your handout if you, if you have it. 
at the beginning of the passage there. Um, this is John. He, he's having a vision. And he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, which was Jesus, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a vision. Okay, it's not a book of propositions. Okay? It's not a book of dialogue, really. It's a book of images. It's a picture book. Uh, It's a book of word pictures. Um, John is literally trying to record for us the things that he saw. And he's doing his best to help us see these visions. Revelation is very imagey. And we're going to talk about this as we go through the book. Um, like, but for example, like if you've ever seen any Terrence Malick films, especially Tree of Life, um, Nolan Vinoy is going to do a, a screening of, of Tree of Life and we're going to watch it together. But you will know that these are his movies aren't so much about a narrative or a dialogue. They're more about showing images and giving you an impression. Like he will just sit on a tree. Or he will sit on stars, and you're supposed to take something away from it that is beyond words. And this is a kindness for us that God gives us revelation, um, because these images get underneath our defenses um, in a different way than facts. So, for example, I will give you a fact, and then I will try and give you an image. Um, On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. Okay. During one year, that equates to more than 10 million women or men. Okay, 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in, in America. That's something that we should really care about. Now, uh, this is a line from a Rage Against the Machine song, so if you think Rage Against the Machine is lame, you're wrong. Um, <clears throat> a spotless domain hides festering hope. She's certain there's more. Pictures of fields without fences. Her body numbs as he approaches the door. Um, which of those statements makes you care at the gut level about what's going on? Um, images get beneath our defenses. They get around our sort of armor. And they sort of get even around our disinterest to go like, you must care about this. And that's why Revelation is a kindness to us. It's, it's a picture book. And we're going to look at more of that later as we continue going. So this is a vision. It's imagey, but it's a vision of God who is worthy. Okay, when, when John comes on the scene here, the first thing that God shows John isn't these events that are going to unfold. What does he see? Look in verse 2. What's the first thing that God shows him? He says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. The first thing that God shows John is the throne room of God, that he's the king of the universe, that he's sitting upon a throne at the center of everything that exists. This this is sort of my big pitch to you this semester. At the center of everything that exists, that ever was created, is a throne. And there's a king on the throne. And he's good. And he's powerful. And that's good news for you and for me, no matter who you are. Because that means that no matter what's going on in your life. Look, I know that a lot of your families are a mess. And and they're struggling right now. Um, that friends are not coming along the way that you hoped they would at this point. Um, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in the world, somebody is on the throne at the center of it. Somebody is in control. It's not just chance. 
Um, and you can just hear John trying to get across what he sees in this room. Look in verse three. He says, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper, which is like this red, precious stone that's laced with green and carnelian, which is like this burnt orange stone. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Like, it's just like, you're like, John, that's not like really helping me understand what this, who this person is on the throne. He's like, I know. But it was like these precious stones. And there's these 24 elders, and they're sitting on these thrones. And verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire. Uh, And before the throne there was a sea of of glass. Um, Like, what does that mean? Like, this is the thing. If you've ever read Revelation before, you're like, I have no idea what to do with that. Because I think it's supposed to like be like giving me some guidance and wisdom for my day. And I don't know how there was a rainbow that was like emerald. It's supposed to help me take my biology test at 11 o'clock today. Um, what does that mean? What it means is that God is magnificently and radiantly beautiful. That when John comes into the very throne room of God and he sees him, he is so overwhelmed by him that he's like, it's like... A sea of crystal. That his power is so overwhelming. That he is so massive. This is the same thing we try to do. Like when you go up on Rough Ridge. Or you go up and look into the Linville Gorge. Like at a sunrise. Or if you ever. Like you ever like have someone watch it. Like you watched a fireworks display and it was amazing. And you're like. Oh it was awesome. You're like what was so good. It's like it was like orange. <laughs> like you never sound more stoned in your life. Than when you're trying to tell somebody. <laughs> Like about a fireworks display. Um, Like you're trying to get across something that like literally can't be put down into words. But what John's trying to get across is that God is beautiful. He's amazing. And that he's the reason why we long for beauty. Like, do you guys know that like as you try to make yourself beautiful for somebody desperately so that they'll notice you? That, that there's a lot of really like like yuckiness involved in that, but below that is like a base desire to want to see beautiful things, and that's part of each of us. Um, that's from God because He's beautiful. And then there's these four living creatures, which are insane seeming. Um, there's four living creatures full of eyes, which is enough to like make me stay up all night and not want to fall asleep. <laughs> Full of eyes in front and behind. The first one's like a lion. Second one's like an ox. Third one with the face of a man. Fourth one like an eagle in flight. They have six wings. And they're full of eyes. All around and within. Um, There's like these are the kind of things that if you saw one, you would literally just like go bananas if you saw it. Like. Like, it would undo you. Don't you get the sense, I was listening to a friend preach about this, like, don't you get the sense that any of these could, like, just annihilate anyone they wanted to? Like, it will. Like, they're so intense, they're flying around with their six wings. These are the kind of things that would, like, that would change us if we saw them. And what do they do all day? The passage says, look, and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and who is and who is to come. 
I'm listening to my friend preach this, and he's just going, these things are so intense and magnificent and radiant and huge and powerful and dangerous, and they love God. And all day long, they never get tired of saying that God is amazing because they can't get over it because he's so much bigger and better than they are. I got like a glimpse of this that I don't watch the VMAs because I'm 32. Um, and I want to care, but I just don't. And, but I saw afterward, if you saw that video of Chance the Rapper, and he's, he's like talking in this interview, and he's like, he's all psyched up, he's on TV, he's talking, and then Beyonce like just came up and like hugged him from the back. And this like look, he just like turned around, like, you know, it's like, you don't have to look to know that Beyonce is standing behind you. She, she radiates because she's a queen. And he like runs off, he's like on TV. He runs off camera to be with Beyonce. And then he runs back through the camera to the other side. And he's like, this is my life. Like he's like running around. Um, like Chance is amazing, but he's not Beyonce. Um, and the presence of Beyonce sort of undoes him. That, that is in a small way what's going on with the four living creatures. And look, when we're talking about what can make you care, like what can make you care enough to like actually investigate the Bible and like actually read it? Or like what can make you care enough to go to a community group and actually talk about the stuff that you don't want people to know? Um, this guy, his name is French, I'm sorry, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, the guy that wrote The Little Prince. Okay, this, this quote is attributed to him, but I don't know if it's really from him, but it's really good, so let's just pretend. He says this, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood, and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Um, John is setting the endless immensity of the living God before us and going, if you want anything to change, you must learn to long for this God who is at the center of everything. So it's a vision of a God who's worthy, but it's also a vision of a God who is a trinity. We will see this more next week. In the passage, we've got the seven spirits of God, which the, the, the number seven in Revelation is all about completeness. We have Jesus, the Son of God, talking. We have the Father sitting on, on the uh, throne. And I'm about to talk about why it's important that God is three persons in one God. And you may be rightly thinking, why would you stop an otherwise acceptable talk about the Bible to give me some theological data? Um, like, what does it matter? Does it really matter to me on a Wednesday night, the third week of the semester, whether God is three persons or whether God is one person? Okay. And I would say, yes, it does for two reasons. Okay. God is, is one God and he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay. Um, here's why it matters. First, have you ever noticed in this room, there is a fundamental unity in this room. In that, as far as I understand, none of us are androids. Um, that all of us in the room are human beings. And so at the fundamental level, we are all one. There is a unity in the room that pervades. Okay? On the other hand, no one in this room has ever existed before, and there are no two of the same. There are triplets in the room, and they're not the same people. Okay? There's a fundamental diversity in the room. And have you ever thought about, like, if God was just one, it would make no sense that there are a diversity of things in the world. But if God was just three, if he was just a diversity, it would make no sense that there's a fundamental unity 
of things in the world. The reason why there's unity and diversity is because God is a trinity. Okay? Second one, maybe this one is more compelling to you. Um, why is there love? If God existed, this guy, his name was Richard of St. Victor. He's a guy that loved Jesus about 400 years before white people knew that America existed. Um, he was a Scottish guy. He lived in France. And uh, he made this argument. He said, look, if God was just, if there was just one God, he was one person. Um, and he loved, he would, before anything existed, he would just love himself. And that would be a very self-consumed love. It would be the kind of love that we recoil from as being sort of wrong and harsh. But since God is three persons in one God, God the Father freely shares his love with God the Son. And God the Son receives that love. And he reciprocates that love to the Father. And then the Father and the Son share that love with the Spirit. And it's this beautiful community of love that's perfectly unified, perfectly diverse, and perfectly in love with one another. And this is why that matters. God is his own end. His love for himself is complete. He did not need to make you. And he did not need to make me. He doesn't need people to love him to fill a need. Okay? And like, why does that matter for you? This is why. Because if God shares that love with you, that means it's a gift. God doesn't need anything from you. But he gives you his love. Like the Bible says, we love because God first loved us. Not we love God. We love, period, because God first loved us. Whether you're here tonight and you know Jesus or not, the reason why you love, according to the Bible, is because God has shared love with you. And it's an act of grace. This is a vision of God who is full of grace, who shares love freely with us, even though he doesn't have to. The Apostle Paul talks about this throne room in Ephesians 2. And he says this, look, God loved us. He's made us alive together with Christ. And this is what he says. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means if you know Jesus for the first time tonight, or this is a lifetime thing going on for you, where you really are right now is in this throne room. That God wants you to be there with him. And the whole reason why Jesus went to the cross to save you is so that God could have you with him in this throne room. That he could seat you in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus and spend forever showing you the riches of his inheritance to you. Um, And so like you're really afraid to let someone know what's going on with you or you're you're a freshman and you're holding on desperately to your behavior so that you can feel like everything's okay with you and God. Like, I'm not doing that. My roommate, they're doing that. I'm not doing that. Everything's okay. You're afraid to let go. Or you've been rejecting God on what you thought were solid reasons, and you're afraid to doubt your doubts. If you're any of those things, that means that God wants you to be with him in that throne room. The Postal Service, I love the Postal Service. You should too. They have a great song called Clark Gable. And uh, there's a line in it, and I think it's true. If you will allow it, I think it is true for all of us. And that's why everyone loves the Postal Service, and it's catchy. Um, He says, Ben Gibber says, I want so badly to believe that there is truth, that love is real. And I want life in every word to the extent that it's absurd. Like, that's us. And God is saying, here it is. I'm here. Come up here to be with me, and I won't cast you out. 
Last semester, and we kind of bring it down on this. Last semester, I talked to a student who she was here for four years, and she was sort of innocuous, like she's a good girl. Like she just never raised much of a scene. She dates a guy that's currently in the room. And I'm not going to use her name. Um, she was a community group leader. Um, she's she's a wonderful person. But I asked her. I'll use your name, Lauren. And uh, I asked her. I said, Lauren, what has God done in your life the last four years? And uh, I will never, ever, ever forget what she said. Is Lauren here? No, she was here last weekend. Um, good. I'm not going to embarrass her. I said, what, what has God done for you for the past four years? And she said, when I came to college, and she was, a, she was a believer in Jesus. She grew up in the church. When I thought about God, I thought about what God could do for me. And she said, four years later when I'm leaving, when I think about God, I just think, I want to know him more. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he's like. And that, my friends, is where it is. Um, may God give us grace to like the elders, the 24 elders and the four living creatures just want to enjoy and worship God just because he is. And like, I don't have anything better for you than that. Does this God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who is complete beauty and love and yet full of grace to share with you, is he enough to move the needle for you? Because um, he's inviting you to come in. May God give us a new vision. Let's pray. Um, Father, only you are capable of, of really breaking us out of disinterest. And you are amazing to where there are creatures that we scarcely could even take in to look at that literally never stop saying that you're holy because they can't get over you. Um, and we're not better than them. We're not bigger than them. We're not more powerful than them. Would you give us a vision that sees you that way? That when we come to worship you on a Sunday morning, that we're joining in with this thing. Whether that's for the first time or in a new way, would you do that for us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's the end of the world.